Hello everyone and welcome to ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. I'm Mauricio Rodriguez. It's a Cowboys game day. The Cowboys won their game versus the Washington football team. It was a little bit stressful, but it was a fun game nevertheless. And the Cowboys defense showed up like they are one of the best units in the entire NFL. So that was exciting. We'll get into it on tonight's show. We'll get into the frustrating parts of the offense, but we'll start with the good things. We'll start with the positive thoughts around the Dallas Cowboys defense because I think that we all need it and I think that we all deserve it. What is up, everyone? Thank you for joining me. What is up, Burner Account? Turns out Burner Account was actually at the game. So I hope you enjoyed that experience. I know it was maybe a difficult game to watch towards the end of it, but I hope you enjoy it, and I hope it was a fun experience for you. Uh, some of our fans' burner account says, need to stop acting like the game is won until it says 0-0 in the fourth quarter. Embarrassing. And to be honest, it did feel like it was won, right? Like, at, there was a point in the game that I was stressed about the Cowboys offense not finding its mojo, but I wasn't afraid of losing the game. It wasn't until the the interception, the pick six, that I started getting a little bit worried. And then, of course, the Cowboys defense showed up once again. But what is up, Charlene Evans as well? Was a good game today, says Leos over at Facebook. Uh, what is up, Charlene Evans? Uh, Alex Scott saying, who do you think was calling the plays, Moore or McCarthy? I think it was Kellen Moore, definitely. I do think that McCarthy has always been involved with the with the Cowboys offense, but I don't have a single doubt that Moore has remained the, the play caller. I know that uh, the offense has not been as good as we would like it to be, but I think that, of course, it was Kellen Moore. Definitely. So thank you for joining me. Make sure you hit the like button. Make sure you share the show. If you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, let your friends know about ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. And without further ado, let's get into tonight's show. And in the meantime, while we play the intro, here is the opening question of the show. What is one word to describe the Cowboys' win over Washington? Let's get it. Let's start the show officially. Hello, everyone, and welcome to ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. I'm Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on ADC Sports Dallas Primetime, Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network, with a lot more content coming your way throughout the entire season. Make sure you check out adcsports.com for more Cowboys content and for more Mavericks content. But what is up, guys? Welcome. I know it was... It had its bad moments, the law, the, the, the win over Washington, but it was a win. And the Cowboys are now nine and four. They, you know, held off a Washington football team that was on a four game winning streak, doing a, making a little bit of a threat at the division. And the Cowboys really got a weight off of their backs because if Washington had won this game, 
then we would have been stressed all throughout Christmas, all the way up to the 26th of December when the Cowboys are going to play Washington again. So it was a much-needed win for the Cowboys, I believe, even though it was not pretty at times, especially on offense. Actually, exclusively on offense. And I'm going to steal a word because I think that is the best answer yet. Because my question was for you guys, what's one word to describe the Cowboys' win over Washington? And Burner says it was bipolar. I think that is a pretty good word. And I will steal it and I will copy it as my answer as well. Leo says elite. Joshua Davis goes with lucky. Jessica says frustrating. And it definitely was frustrating at times. Stressful is a good word, someone said as well. Alex Scott, fantabulous, fortunate, fantastic. Dominance is quit, king. So bitter. Charlene Evans goes with bitter. So there you go. I think we have a lot of mixed feelings about this. What is up, Stevie Mac as well, who is saying, hit that like button, share the stream, which is the usual starting opening comment by Stevie Mac. But he adds a third ask for you guys tonight. And he says, smack Kellen Moore on my behalf. If, if you're in a position to do so and you want to grant Stevie Mac his wish, feel free to do so on behalf of Stevie Mac. Now, it was... Let's talk about the defense first. I want to talk about the defense first because I want to start the show off on a positive note. And man, oh man, that was a bad interception by Justin Fields. I'm sorry, I got distracted, but it was a bad, bad interception to throw. Anyways, Micah Parsons, another insane performance for the Cowboys rookie. It was really, really something. Micah, once again, was... Constantly bringing the pressure versus Taylor Heineke. Now he had two sacks and one forced fumble. And Parsons continues to make his case for defensive player of the year. We're not talking about the rookie defensive player of the year because that is in his pocket. That award is already going towards Micah Parsons. There is, I don't think there is anything that can happen in order for Micah to not win it. The, the Rookie of the Year award. But now he's entering the Defensive Player of the Year conversation. And after those two sacks from today, he, like that is even more the case. And he also showed up more skills in coverage. He also looked well versus the run defense. And I hate that it's gotten... I don't hate it, actually. But I, I it's weird that it has gotten to the point in which I feel like I'm repeating myself over and over and over again talking about Michael Parsons. He has been that impressive. And we mentioned the word, uh, the word unbelievable last week. And I, I, and I stand by it. Unbelievable is a word that we overuse. When we're talking about anything, we, we say, oh, this, I don't know, this pasta is unbelievable. This beer is unbelievable. We overuse that word. But with Micah, it is the correct word. He truly is an unbelievable player to watch on the football field. But the thing that I love about this Cowboys defense right now is that it is not only about Micah anymore. There was a point in the season, earlier in the season, in which Parsons was bringing the pressure. He was getting sacks. He was getting uh, knockdowns on the quarterback. Yet the Cowboys' pressure rate was a little bit lower than the average in the NFL. 
But right now, before the Week 14 game, before today's game, the Cowboys ranked top four in the NFL in terms of pressure rate. I have a feeling that will only improve after Week 14. We'll revisit it tomorrow night for sure. But before today, they were the fourth team with the highest pressure rate in the entire league. And what happened today? The Cowboys had five sacks as an entire unit. Two sacks for Michael Parsons. Another sack for, right away, Neville Gallimore, who came back from injury, finally. And what a bull rush. That kind of bull rush, that kind of plays, are the ones that they put up in coaching clinics, I believe, when they're teaching you how to play defensive tackle or defensive end. Neville Gallimore put on a clinic on that play when he sacked Taylor Heineke with his own center. And then there was the Marcus Lawrence sack and the Randy Gregory sack. This Cowboys team, man, they tip interception, as Joshua Davis is saying. That was cool. That was pretty insane, actually. But hey, the Cowboys are now one of the best teams in the NFL when it comes to getting after the quarterback. That is the most exciting thing about this defense, in my opinion, so far. Even more so with Gregory and Gallimore and Lawrence back, because The thing that I also love about this defense is the fact that we're not talking about Gregory and Lawrence being the best pass rushers of the team and that then you can mix in some guys in the rotation. No, we're talking about a defensive unit in which you can bring all of them at the same time. And Dan Quinn has already shown us that consistently. We have seen defensive looks with four defensive ends or three defensive ends and Michael Parsons Early in the game, I think it was actually the first play, we saw a look in which Lawrence and Gregory were loaded to the same side. No, it was Lawrence and and Micah loaded to the same side with Watkins and Osa Oriisuwa from the other side. Dan Quinn is being creative with his playmakers, and the Cowboys just have a lot of talent in that elite front seven, in my opinion. I think it is fair to call what they did today an elite performance. It was clear to me at one point that it doesn't matter what happened in the first half. By the second half, the Washington offensive line was going to be exhausted because the Cowboys were getting at them. And I think that showed up in the second half, definitely. Uh, Gallimore says Dallas Young, the new one tech. Another thing that I like actually is that I trust Gallimore to play one tech and three tech. I trust Osa to do the same. I trust Watkins to do the same. Everyone in this front seven is so versatile and it opens up just so many possibilities for the Dallas Cowboys. We have seen Lawrence playing on the inside. We have seen Parsons bringing the pressure on the inside as well. So yeah. Squid King says the pressure they were able to generate is why I used the word dominant. When you limit the yardage like the bits that like the bits did, that's dominant. Jessica says Dak said in his post-game conference it was his fault and he should have just taken the sack. He did own up to that interception, says Jessica Villarreal. And it definitely was on him, I believe. I love Dak Prescott. You guys know it. I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But we'll get into Dak Prescott in a few moments here on the show and we'll talk about the offensive woes as a whole. But this was clearly, as as Rina is saying as well over at Facebook, the defense won the game. Oh my God, the Bursar back on top. 17 to 14 in the second quarter. 
How about them Packers? This is good for the Cowboys. This is why I am celebrating the, the, the Bears. I know it's a tall task to ask Chicago to win this football game, but maybe they do. You never know. <laughs> Anyways, I agree wholeheartedly with the fact that the defense won the game. I think we can all be on the same page on that. And then after we're done talking about all of the Cowboys, all of what the Cowboys defensive front can do, how about Trevon Diggs? We won't be sure about this until we review the All-22 tape, but Diggs was traveling a little bit more than usual with the Washington wide receiver number one, with the number one wide receiver from Washington, excuse me, who is Terry McLaurin, and he was doing a very good job at covering him, at covering him, excuse me. But hey, I do think that what Dak Prescott also said that we need to point out is the fact that, that he was asked if this was the best defense he has ever played with in his career in the NFL, and he answered for sure. And I think we can be confident about that as well. I don't know how far back you need to go in order to find a better defense. They have exceeded my preseason expectations by a lot. Like, I'm not even close to what I expected from them during the offseason. I thought this defense had the possibility to bounce back to average and that that would be enough for an elite Cowboys offense. Fortunately, since we have not seen that same elite offense over the past two months, hopefully that's not been the case. The Cowboys are not only average, they're not only good, they are actually very, very good. And they have what seems to be an elite front seven right now or at least an elite pass rush with Gregory back and Gallimore back. Amazingly, says APJ, the question, the biggest question about our team right now is our $40 million quarterback. Totally unacceptable. And man, it has been frustrating to take a look at this team and what has happened with Dak Prescott and the offense. I struggle to find an explanation for it. I got to be honest with you. I, I've been struggling to find an explanation to it because and burner account says that 2007 would be the, the answer to the question that I posed a, a few moments ago. I agree with what Julian says. I, th I think that Dak Prescott will be okay, that he needs to get that. Uh, up with him for a little bit there. Let me see if I can actually fix this. I froze for a little bit there. I, I was lagging. Let me see. Ah, I, I never know how to play with this because I, if I plug it to the Ethernet, then sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So now that we are back, now that we are back, I won't play with it. I will just keep going because I, I am bad at I am back at full connection, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway. The thing that I was saying about Dak Prescott is that clearly there's something with him. But I actually had a question lined up for you guys that is regarding Prescott's calf injury. Because whether you're watching the TV broadcast, whether you're reading Cowboys Twitter, Cowboys Facebook, some Cowboys writers, a lot of people are making the comparisons of before the calf injury or after the calf injury. And many people have speculated that that is what is happening to Prescott. 
But I don't know. I struggle to put it all on the calf. So my question for me to you guys is, do you agree or disagree that Dak's lump is related to the calf injury? Because I believe that I disagree with this. Dak has spoken about it being fully healed. The Cowboys coaches in the front office as well. And I see a lot of stuff during the game that makes me believe that he's okay from the calf injury. Because we see him make some plays that, in my opinion, wouldn't be possible if he was hurt. And we see a lot of moments in which we are looking at prime Dak Prescott. Like that play, we, it actually was when the scuffle happened in which he was scrambling and then he placed the ball perfectly. And of course, it was a great catch as well. But he doesn't make that throw if he is truly injured. And the same goes for a lot of moments that we have seen during this same slump. So I have to disagree with that statement. I really don't think that what is happening to Dak Prescott right now has anything to do with the calf injury. There's something there. It might be something with the mind It might be something about confidence. It might be another injury we do not know about, which I doubt too, but it might. But I don't think it has to do a lot with the calf injury though. Like I, I don't see it. I don't see that as the case for, for Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys offense. And I know a lot of people are saying, yeah, it is because of the, of the calf and stuff like that. I kind of agree I kind of feel actually that I would rather be, I would rather have it be the calf injury because that way we would have something to look forward to. And we would say, once he's fully healed, the offense will be all the way back. But I strongly believe that is not the case. Now, if it is mental, I have seen people say that he needs to, you know, get someone to help. I can assure you that Dak Prescott has that because Prescott has been very vocal about mental health. He has been raising awareness for it. He's actually nominated to the Walter Payton Man of the Year because of that. So I don't have any doubts that if that is the case, that it is something that he's dealing with mentally, he, he should be getting uh, help right now. And I, I, I bet he is if that is something, if that is indeed the case. I don't think it's that physical though. Uh, Clayton says, agree, he won't admit it, but his play has been off since a calf injury, whether mental or physical. And yeah, I specifically mean physically though. Like I don't think that there is something physical about his calf injury. He's just a little bit off, says Bruno de Silva. The third down ran, uh, run he did, says Jessica Villarreal. That was a cool moment. There were some plays where he should have run, says Joshua Davis. And I think that we all agree with that as well over the past few weeks. We have some mixed answers here. Dallas John goes with disagree. Cheryl says, I think he's in his own head too much. I know that Prescott talked during the week about him going through his reads very fast, that he needs to slow down with his progression as a quarterback. And that might be something that he's also dealing with. And it wouldn't be anything new, I believe, in the NFL. I will tell you this, though. I'm not, you know, pressing the panic button. And I think it's quite, I think sometimes fans are a little bit uh, funny as a group, because not everyone, of course, but Dak was playing lights out during September and October. And people who doubted Dak Prescott were saying, like, maybe not haters, but just your 
overall Dak Prescott detractors, maybe. People were saying, oh, yeah, but he hasn't won the Super Bowl. So I won't put, put much weight into what we're seeing right now. But then things start going wrong. And then people are putting all of the weight on Dak Prescott's lump and are ignoring the seasons that he's been able to put together that have been good seasons and that have made him a top quarterback in the league. I think he's not trusting what he's seeing, says Jeff Mack. And thank you for your comment, Jeff, and your donation as well. I also believe it's a little bit of that. There's another example of what we were saying about the calf injury. That pick six that he threw targeting Dalton Schultz. That, I don't see how the calf is involved in that. Because that was just a poor decision from Dak Prescott. And it's a rough slump. It's frustrating as heck to see Prescott not be the same guy that he was at the beginning of the year or that he was at the beginning of 2020 or even in 2019 when he was playing some great football as well. It has been frustrating to see that and it also has been frustrating not to be sure why all of that is happening. Corey Clement should get more carries, says Burner account. Is running the ball mental or physical, says I bring IT. And it can be a little bit of both as well, right? Uh, as Richard is saying, Prescott has been through a lot. And that has gonna affect that, that has got to affect any human. He was very close to them. And I agree with Richard. That might also be a factor. Hopefully, he's able to, you know, number one, be okay. And number two, Translate that to the football field because, of course, that is what he wants. And hopefully, the Cowboys offense is able to help out a little bit because then we get to the other issues of this offense because there have been a lot of them. And that includes drops. That includes poor blocking up front. And that also includes some frustrating Kellen Moore play calls. I also like what Kellen Moore has been doing this season, particularly at the beginning of the year. Not as much lately because when things are going wrong, like I don't, we have not seen the Cowboys offense try to find an identity in these kind of situations in which things are going wrong. We have not seen them bounce back in what starts off as an ugly game. We have not seen them bounce back from those situations. I think that we all were very frustrated by the third down screens from the Cowboys today, they were working at the beginning of the year, not so much anymore. And you would like the Cowboys to steer away a little bit from that instead of insisting with them. But, you know, third and 16 and you throw short of the sticks to CD Lamp. Yeah, you, you, we have seen a lot of those kind of plays and it's frustrating to watch. We don't know why the Cowboys are being so conservative on offense either. And the Cowboys are getting themselves in a, long of, uh, in, a, in a lot of, excuse me, of third and long situations. And that will not help your quarterback who is struggling. So we know that Dak is struggling a little bit, but we also know that the Cowboys offense is not being able to help him out a little bit. Just like Dak has been helping out this team in a lot of situations throughout the last few years, the Cowboys are not maybe returning the favor, offensively speaking, because the defense definitely is. But the off- offensively speaking, we have not seen anyone step up necessarily and make uh, and pick up some slack, right? Uh, Julian does, says, uh, does say and, and makes a good point. Hey, the kicker made all the field goals. 
Uh, Burl says, yeah, Collins is the man. Yeah, Lyle Collins. How about Lyle Collins, by the way? I loved what, that, what Lyle Collins did. I truly did. I know he got ejected, and that sucked because the Cowboys had no starting offensive tackles left after that. But you love your, your the, the quarterback teammates stepping up for Dak in that situation. How about Ezekiel Elliott as well? Throwing some Canelo uppercuts there in the mix. Making his best impression of the number one pound-for-pound pound boxer in the world. I also like that as well. Uh, D-Block asks, how many sacks does Parsons have this season? Right now, he stands at 12. The rookie record is 14 and a half from Javon Kears, who played for the Tennessee Titans, was drafted in 1999. So that's the, the record that's currently standing. And actually, Javon Kears is Jaron Kears' uncle. So his nephew will watch the record be broken up front, right? Charles was non-existent against says Richard. Uh, need to get him the ball more consistently, says Richard. And I think that is something that we uh, agree as well. How long are people going to make excuses for Dak, says Miguel. It's a line. It's a running game. Next, it will be the coaches. But I think, to be fair, that right now, I have not seen anyone really make excuses for Dak Prescott. We all know that he's struggling. And at least I have not seen anyone in the media or, or even among, well, maybe among fans, I don't know. But I, don't, I have not seen anyone in the media, you know, making excuses for Dak in this situation. It is fair to point out that it is a team game. And that is this going to go to the house by Chicago? Oh my God, it just might go to the house. This will be a punt return that will get the Chicago Bears up 24 to 14 in the first half. Man, that is exciting. How about Chicago pulling off, trying to pull off the offset at the very least? There is 132 left in the first half. The Bears are up will be up 24-14 after the PAT. That is if I'm not jinxing it right now. But hey, that was about a 99-something, no, about 95-pound return for the Bears. Sorry for the parenthesis, but I get excited about it. And hey, you love to see the Packers lose if you're a Cowboys fan right now because anything to help out the seating, right? And Green Bay maybe does not have the toughest schedule yet, But you never know if the Cowboys sitting can improve. You never know if that can happen. Anyways, what were we talking about? I'm sorry. Yeah, no, about excuses. It is just fair to point out that, hey, this Cowboys offense could be helping out Dak Prescott during his slump. Not making excuses for Dak, just saying you could have an offense that tries to pick up some slack when Dak is struggling. That is kind of what we meant here in the show. I hope they win on account of the Cowboys' is Lynn Lewis over here. They're reacting to Rodgers' comment about owning them. Hey, that will catch up to Aaron Rodgers as well. By the way, uh, let's talk more about the Cowboys' offense. I, I was frustrated by the fact that they were once again insisting in, with the run game, even without Tony Pollard on the team, even with a clearly injured Ezekiel Elliott once again And Corey Clement, you maybe 
would want to to get him more snaps, as someone mentioned at the beginning of the show. But I also think that it maybe wouldn't have helped that much either. Because the offensive line is struggling as well up front. There was a nice run, though, with CeeDee Lamp, in which the Cowboys had Connor Williams. First of all, Connor Williams was in motion before the snap. And then Ezekiel Elliott was your other leading blocker. And CeeDee Lamb was able to get a nice run there. I wondered if we were going to see more of that. We didn't. That was the only carry for CeeDee Lamb in the running game. And you take a look at the entire NFL, and he would not be the only wide receiver to be used creatively as a running back if the Cowboys decided not to make a full-time position change, obviously, but to get maybe three or four plays with CeeDee Lamb in the backfield since you didn't have uh, Tony Pollard. That would have been interesting to watch, but it didn't happen. Uh, Burner Account does say something interesting as well. He says, I get that it is loppy, but it's a divisional rival. Teams who are built to to best you. I will take a road win any day against a division rival because they are hard to get. And that is 100% spot on. This is a win for the Cowboys, and they are now 9-4, and and they should be moving on confidently, I believe, to whatever is next for them. Clement was nice to deep block. Yeah, he was. Uh, Beryl says, you can look at the glass half empty, but I assure you it's half full also, and that defense is potent, which is why I wanted to start the show off by talking about the Cowboys' uh, defense, right? Because we, I wanted to get off to a positive start here. Mm. Come on, Mauricio. Who else was running beside Clement and Elliott? Someone from the practice squad. They signed. They did sign Ido Smith. How many carries did uh, the other receivers? Well, it was Jaquan Hardy who was called up. Jaquan Hardy was a, a an interesting character from the Hard Knock series. He got only one carry, though, on this game for three yards. Ida Smith was signed to the practice squad, but Jaquan Hardy was the one who was activated for game day. CeeDee Lamb actually got two carries in 15 yards. Dak Press got seven carries for only 15 yards as well. And then you had Corey Clement, who averaged 3.4, and Elliott, who averaged 3.8 yards per carry. Jaquan Hardy got only one carry, three yards. Maybe we will see more from him. I don't know if we will because I am kind of hopeful that Pollard gets back for next weekend, though. Hardy lost his eye contact. Yeah, that's what happened in the Hard Knocks episode. That was fun. That definitely was fun. Jerry says, could Micah play running back? I think he could. Yeah, I would like him to play quarterback if he wants or wide receiver, whatever he wants to do. I'm not doubting Micah Parsons at all. (laughs) Micah, there have been some Micah clips actually from high school playing running back, as Jerry is asking in the YouTube chat. There were some clips floating around social media this week with him playing running back. Goodwin blocked the extra points as TV Mac. Goodwin was nice. Uh, man, oh man, Parsons was 25 yards down the field when he almost had that pick. What a range. They, the Cowboys are actually able to play Tampa two looks with the way Micah has been playing. And we talked about this last week. The Tampa two defenses disappeared from the NFL because there were no linebackers who could pull that assignment off. And Micah is able to do so. The Cowboys are just 
man, Micah is killing it. And I am so excited about it because I know I'm just 22 years old. I know that I have not seen a lot of um, many as many players as some of you guys might have. But in my life, have I seen anything resembling Micah Parsons as a rookie? Or maybe even overall. I don't remember seeing a defensive player in recent years that is able to do what Michael Parsons is doing. Everyone, uh, they, there have been, there has been people, and we touched on this a few weeks ago as well. There have been some people who have spoken about him as a Lawrence Taylor comparison. You cannot hate those comparisons. Like I know that Taylor is the greatest defensive player ever, but hey, you cannot hate what Micah is doing. Like he he deserves some of the comparisons, I believe. Anyways. And, and a foreigner account is saying, watch some Lawrence Taylor clips. Dude was a force. I have seen a lot of Lawrence Taylor clips because I love, I love X and O's history. And I know what he means for the NFL in terms of him being the first three and four hybrid defense event. The Packers were quick to strike back. They're now 21 um, to 24. But I love what Taylor meant for the league in terms of him being the first full-time hybrid at the position. The position was already invented, but Taylor was the first man to, to make it in every down position. So, yeah. Jerry says, my son is your age. I feel your pain. Only two playoff wins in his lifetime. My five Super Bowls. Hey, it sucks. I'm not going to lie. It can suck from time to time because you don't know what's on the other side. You guys know it and you have missed it, but we don't know. <laughs> like people who are under 26-year-old who root for the Cowboys we don't know what it's like to be on the other side of, of the February calendar year, right? So anyways, guys, it was a weird win. I think we should be extremely excited about what's happening to the Cowboys defense. This is not an opportunistic defense like we thought it might be at the beginning of the year. This is an actual unit. So let's be excited about it. Thank you guys for joining the show. Make sure you check out uh, adcsports.com slash Dallas. Tomorrow night, we'll talk more about the Cowboys game. We'll also get into some of the uh, overreaction Monday segments that we do here on primetime. But make sure you check out adcsports.com slash Dallas. I really appreciate you guys choosing to listen to ADC Sports Dallas primetime every night from Sunday through Thursday at 8 p.m. Central. My name is Mauricio Rodriguez. Thank you for joining me, and I will see you guys tomorrow night. Enjoy the second half of Monday Night Football. See you guys and thank you.